Hey guys, it's Matt. This episode of Table 40 is presented by the Increase Discipleship Handbook. Have you got your copy yet? It's available at theincrease.com and is a great resource to help you along your faith journey. Pro athletes and others, including Leslie and I, are going through this handbook over the next few months. You can get your copy right now at theincrease.com. I know it'll help you in your spiritual journey. Table 40. Uh, today marks the first chapter in our, um, I guess, our journey through uh, the Discipleship Handbook. And we will kick it off with chapter one today. And so I think without further ado, let's get into it. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, if you, if you haven't heard, the, the remainder, not the remainder, but the next couple weeks, we're going to go through the Discipleship Handbook. The Discipleship Handbook is a curriculum that was developed by Natalie Wiesen and the PAO team. Um, you can get your Discipleship Handbook on theincrease.com. It's $19.99 and we would love for you to go on this journey with us. And um, we are very excited for the opportunity to lead um, this study. And, and it's just simply the essentials of the faith. And I think that sometimes, I don't know about you, Matt, but when I first became a Christian um, I was a young woman and there were so many things that I just misunderstood about Jesus in the process of sanctification which is a big word but just the process of becoming more like Christ and this to me is such a joy to be able to walk um, through this discipleship handbook so we can learn more about the character and nature of Jesus Christ and the character and nature of God um, and you know uh, just maybe gain more confidence um, because if we say we're going to pledge our allegiance to Jesus, it's so important to understand um, who he is and um, why we worship him. Yeah, I, I think that, at least for me, uh, I think that as a kid and, and even growing up into early uh, teenager, um, I, I felt like I, I, I believed in God. And I, I think that if you talk to most people, and I think the statistics and the, and the, uh, all the surveys that people do, most people do believe in God, and they believe in a higher power. They just don't know, I guess, a lot of people don't know about Jesus. And that was me, really, growing up. A lot of it was, is I didn't know much about the Bible. I didn't know, I believed in God, but I didn't know what to do with that. And I didn't know um, much about Jesus. I was a little intimidated because I didn't know the Bible. Um, and I didn't uh, shy away from, from, from Bible studies and things because I was intimidated by the fact that I didn't really know the Bible. And... Uh, didn't want to be, I guess, embarrassed by how little I knew about the Bible and about Jesus. So um, I, I think that that's something that, you know, if, if people that are listening to this may be in those shoes, I think this will be a good way uh, for us to hopefully simplify and, and explain uh, what that might look like uh, for people that may be early or new to the faith or, or have a belief in God but don't know what to do with it. Yeah, and I think uh, you, you said it reminded me of a story like when we were in the minor league. You would go to chapel, but you were so nervous about going to chapel because you were afraid, oh my gosh, if they call on me, I really don't know what to say, but I know I should be here. And Ecclesiastes says that, that, that God has placed eternity in all of our hearts. And, and, and then, you know, uh, C.S. Lewis, this, this older theologian that I happen to really love, says that there's a God-shaped hole in all of our hearts. And I just think, I just pray truly that 
that this um, opportunity for us to go through the discipleship handbook might help you understand, uh, you know, who Jesus is and maybe some more, more clarity there. We understand that we want to understand that Jesus Christ is holy unlike any other and just be, just be overwhelmed with the good news of the gospel. And we'll get into the gospel in a couple weeks. But this first week we're going to talk about chapter one is a high view of God. And so Matt, when I say high view of God, what do you think? Well, I, I think the, to me, I, I think that I think about how the heavens and the earth were created and how a lot of times like when we were around the ocean or when you see mountains or when you see uh, a sunset and when you see stuff, you, th you wonder, I, I think for me, at least as a kid, I, w I thought, or stars, like what, what is, you know, how, who, how is this created? And I think when you think about, or for me, when I think about the high view of God, I think about the fact that he told the water where to stop and he told it when to be dark and when it to be light. And he start talking about uh, the fish in the sea and the animals and the, I, I guess when you look at God's creation, at least for me, the high view of God and what he did and, and how he, uh, and then you start getting into the stories in the Bible of when he, he tells the waves and the wind to stop. And I think that when you think about what God can do and how he uh, created us and created uh, the world and what I guess sometimes we take for granted or we just see as normal when, when you take a deeper look of what that, I guess, how this all happened. I, I think that that to me is okay. And, and even, you know, the tattoo I have on my arm, Job 38 talks about how where were we when he laid that foundation of the earth? Like, okay, so sometimes we question God or we question, um, and he's, you know, essentially telling Job, I created all this, where were you? Mm -hmm. And I think that to me, that, that is how I think about, when I think about a high view of God, I think about how the, the sort of the, the bigness, the grandness, the, the, the ocean, the mountains, those things uh, come to mind. Yeah, absolutely. And when we go through um, our chapter, it, it does a really nice job of explaining like we need this paradigm shift and, and we need to start shifting our eyes to God as a creator and God is holy and God different than us and that there's a big gap between a holy God and humanity. He's the creator and we are not. Um, and, and there is an exercise here to pause and look up the opening sentence of the Bible, which is Genesis 1.1. And the challenge is to fill in the blanks. Let's do this. Let's participate in this study. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's an incre incredibly powerful uh, verse, even though sometimes we just roll through it because we've heard it so many times. But in the begin be beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I think that we do know that and we do understand that God is the creator of all things. And... Um, and I love what you said about, I love your tattoo, Job 38.4. It's my favorite. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think that, you know, having this high view of God and, and, and this sort of, uh, I guess this aura, I don't know, like the, when it talks about uh, fear God and like this is and, and not necessarily, I think you can probably explain it better than me, but this fear or just this respect and this, uh, I guess, um, appreciation for the grandness and and just what he's done and he's capable of doing I think is something that we all 
when we take a moment to think about it, it should, it should really hit us. You know, like what you said, and I think that the mindset that God is the creator and that God has done all of this, like created the heavens and the earth and, and all that is in it, and, and his, the apex of his creation was humanity. And I, I do think that it, it, it does create um, a very foundational mindset for all believers is that when, th when things go awry or difficult in our life, just to remember that, that God created it all and he owns it all and, and he, he knows it all. And I, I just think that that helps us suffer well or helps us um, even in times of celebration to understand like, gosh, these gifts are from the Lord and um, the Lord will be with me during a difficult season in our life if he told the if he told the ocean to stop and gave boundaries in that way he can certainly he's strong enough to help me through something that that is very difficult and so as we move forward on in our chapter i think it's when you talk about like even like you know talking about the stories in the bible and why they're there and when you think about the the panic in the boat when Jesus is calmly taking a nap or, or sort of just hanging out in the boat and the sea is crazy and the wind is crazy and us, the disciples, who I would consider is this is a, you know, in life when the wind is crazy and the water and the waves are crazy and our life is crazy and we don't know what to do and we say, you know, we're looking for help and, you know, Jesus has the ability to calm the waves and tell the ocean to settle and yeah. I think that the just sort of that um, reminder of that what he's capable of you know like I said when you start thinking about why certain stories are in the Bible or why things happen I think it might be a good illustration of his power and our doubt and weakness in what we see in this world um, because it is broken and you know what he's capable of to, be, to calm our hearts and calm our minds and give us peace when uh, we, we clearly can't get it ourselves. That's good. That's good. And I, as I, I want to remind all that are listening, because I'm not sure where everyone is, obviously, in, in their, their background in church. But when we talk about God and we talk about Jesus and we talk about the Holy Spirit, they're all in, they're three in one. It's called the Trinity. And it's God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And um, uh, when you were talking, it reminded me of God created, God created it all. And um, but then Jesus embodies God, obviously, in human form. And it is really cool how God told the ocean, like came and created and like it was chaos and then spoke everything into order and just calmed the sea at the very beginning. And then when Jesus was here on earth, he calmed the sea when um, and, and he's good at that. He's been good at that for many, many, many years. And so let's learn to trust that. Let's learn to trust the goodness of God that he can calm any storm in our life if we allow him to and if we believe that he has the authority to do so and I think that that's why it's so important to really meditate on what is it like what do I believe about God do I do I elevate God um, to the place that he belongs or do I keep him small parallel with me um, and so those are the things that we have to work through when we're starting to um, become a disciple of Christ or leaning into what's true about the nature and character of God so as we, as we work through this discipleship handbook, there's this really neat opportunity to meditate on the seven truths about God. Um, and it's in, your, it's in your book. And it's right, right here. If you oh, guys no, are, are watching this. We're totally on TV. They're going to see have my, showered. my allergy situation that I have going on. Allergy. They'll hear it. They'll see that we're in the gym. Um, we've got Jackson's home. 
We're super fired up about it, but our house is loud because everybody's celebrating that our boy's home. We're probably seeing dogs coming Dogs are out. coming in and out, but this is who we are. This is who we've been from the very beginning. Be Real. This is the, this, the this new This is the, app, yeah, app, Table be 40 Be Real yeah. podcast. But uh, the seven truths about God, are, it's just some of my favorite. And it's, it's, it's uh, you know, Matt, I heard a friend of mine was talking about the lonely work the other day as an athlete. Um, the elite athletes are the ones that are willing to do the lonely work. They're the ones that are willing to spend time alone when no one's watching, developing and, and working on their craft. And the lonely work is what separates um, the athlete. And I think too, like in our relationship with Jesus, there's not, there's, there's definitely a necessity to do the lonely work to really understand the nature and character of God and the beauty of Jesus and in the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think we can start with meditating on these seven truths about God. And I think if we can get a really good handle on who God is, we're going to be able to exhale um, in life a little bit more freely because we're not going to be wound so tight thinking that we actually have control. It's an illusion. It's an illusion. And I think understanding that God is independent and self-existent. No beginning and no end. And um, it's an absolute reality and let that sink in for a little bit and so God again is separate there's a big gap between flawed and in and sinful humanity and a holy holy God it makes the rest of the Bible make a whole lot more sense when we think about it that way God is the source of all things he is free and able to do all that he pleases he alone defends what is true right beautiful and good and knows all things that's really comfortable for me to know that I that I serve a God that knows all things. He is eternal and unchanging and present everywhere. That's another truth that I that I lean into and hold very dear to my heart, that God is unchanging and present everywhere. He is with us. If we want a theme that goes um, very consistently through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, this is one. Like God is with us and He is unchanging and He is moving the kingdom forward. Um, number six is nothing can even come close to comparing to Him. I think that we really do see that. We're nature people. We're outside people. We can marvel at the goodness of God and understand that nothing comes close to comparing to God when, even in Oklahoma right now, when the weather's so incredible and, and this is the best time of year, like summer-fall combo, best time of year. And you can marvel at the goodness of God and understand that nothing can come close to comparing to Him. Um, he is worthy to be praised. And I think that that is something that sometimes... Um, we have to, we have to praise the Lord out of when we're going through difficult seasons in our life or when we're celebrating like crazy, being disciplined enough to praise the Lord and give him praise in all, in all seasons in our life, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, that when you talk about, when you talked earlier, it kind of stuck out to me, like really sitting in this and, and I, I don't do that well. And I think that, you know, I don't sit well, I don't be quiet well, I don't, I'm, I'm a busy person, I like to, I'm a doer, like, and so I, I think that, at least for me, I know that that, that could be as challenging, and that's something that's important, but um, I just, you know, I think that some people struggle to, to sit and, 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 and kind of, you know, really take that in, but... Um, I don't know. What did you... Do you think it means sit? No, I was saying, like, the question I had, and I can understand because I went on and on there, but the question that I have is, like, 
or even just your opinion, do you think it's wise to worship in all seasons of life? Like, I think sometimes when things go well, we take the credit for it. Or, or we're just kind of like, oh, God, thanks, yeah. But we don't, like, worship the Lord for the good things that he's allowed to happen. You know, you don't worship in good like you worship in suffering. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's not this, there's not this desperation that, you know, like that, that, that just like so conflicted in your soul when things are wrong but when things are good my gosh worship the lord because all good things from come from god like those are beautiful things i think god's like oh my gosh i want to hear from you i I, the whole point is for you to delight me in 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 their joy in our salvation and there's lots of positive awesome things in scripture too and oftentimes we we tend to focus on the negative (laughs) yeah i mean i I think that there's two types of people like I, i think that I think for me, like I'm, I'm more of, I think I worship better when, when things are going good. Like I, I think that I struggle to really worship God when, when, when things are really hard. And I think that, uh, you know, I think that sometimes that, I don't know, at least for my, me, my personality, I don't know. My bend is towards, um, I guess when when I was sick and going through really hard uh, times, I I cried out to the Lord, but I didn't worship the Lord. Yeah, that's a good point. And so I, I think that I think that that's something that um, I don't know. I just think there, the people sometimes probably bend one one way or the other when it comes to worshiping the Lord and everything. You know, I think that some people probably fall on both sides of that. No doubt, no doubt. And I think sometimes. And another opportunity to clarify here is when you were sick, I wasn't worshiping the Lord that you were sick, but I was acknowledging where he was placed in my life. Like, like God, you are in control and I give this to you in my brokenness and my sadness and my grief and all of those things. Like, and I do think that's a form of worship. It's lament, right? It's, it's lament. It's like saying, God, I'm placing you in your proper place. I know that, that, you're in control. I know that something good will come out of this eventually. I know these things because this is what scripture says. And so when, when things were really hard during that season, I think one thing that I learned, it, it wasn't about me. I was able to shift my focus and say, all right, if God's going to allow me to, to go through this and allow my husband to go through this, I'm, I'm going to need you to lead me. And I do think that that's a that that's a, a way of worship, just declaring that I'm not God and God's God. And, um, Anyway, so yeah, that was that's good. All right, so as we flip to the very end where there's key points in this discipleship handbook, we kind of want to go over a couple of those and then see how it intertwines with marriage and, and kids. Um, key point number one is we are all in need of a paradigm shift away from our self-focus towards God-centered worship. And I think um, this, is, this is fundamental in marriage and this is fundamental in parenting. I would say um, I, in order for us to have a marriage that honors the Lord, in order for us to have a marriage that is full of joy and peace and fun, there absolutely has to be an intentional shift away from self-focus towards God-centered worship. Like, I understand that my role is to help Matt. I understand that God gave me um, a wonderful husband that I adore most days. I would say 99% of the time I adore this guy. But I think that um, I think this intentional shift to where I began to think like 
this is my person and this is my person until death do us part and I want to I want to serve the Lord by serving him well and um, and not in a weird serving well but just kind of a like not not like you know I mean but it, how can I love Matt in a way that honors the Lord and I think looking for ways to help and looking for ways to encourage and looking for ways to um, love you it, it's it's really been it's it's been fun like I've learned um, my tone is super offensive at times and so I've learned to use a softer more gentle tone I've learned um, I'm always learning ways to love you better and um, and I ask God to I ask God for that like I ask God like give me wisdom and discernment on how to love Matt in this season because we've been through like athlete marriages they're like dog years like I feel like we've put in some miles on our marriage <laughs> and we haven't been married that long I mean 22 years is a long time but good grief it feels like we've been married a really long time not in a bad way <laughs> but we've, we've experienced a lot of life you know yeah I I think so too and I, I think that when you're talking about the high view of God and you're talking about like the small like it's not even the smaller view but like just like you're talking about like getting off what it, it's all about me it's all about like self and serving others and, and, and honestly trying to live a life that that glorifies and is more like Jesus what he did and when you dive in and, and learn about who his character and about how he served others and to be able to I guess it's just growth like you know when, when you're especially as an athlete or you know even you know that that age and in this culture and social media and like everything is about kind of get yours and, and self-happiness and you know make sure that you're happy and, and that you, you're getting to do everything you want to do and so I think that some of this is counterculture and that when you're thinking of others first and you're trying to live a life that, um, I guess, improves other people's lives and try to try to find ways to uh, love your family and love your wife and love your kids and love your friends and serve people that, that yeah, I, I think it's a fulfilling way to live, but mm -hmm. I think it's, it's culturally people, you know, are sort of program to think the opposite totally right? yeah and uh, even when you think of a high view of God and you start to say okay this is gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna do this like we also we have to go there I mean we have to think about what does Genesis say like what's my role as a wife and the word submit is like like a bad word in, in Christian in Christian circles but it is so true and it's actually very beautiful I you know like a, a personal example that that happened in our family is um, for those that know me know this for those that don't don't but I didn't want to move from Jupiter Florida I loved it there it was I loved it I loved our friends I loved our church I loved the weather the whole thing but Matt wanted to move our family to Oklahoma but what does scripture say if I have a high view of God and I'm serious about my relationship with the Lord I'm serious about being obedient as, as much as I, I can in, in the day-to-day, -day, like God says what? He says, be, submit to your husband's leadership. Matt's the head of the home. And so that was an opportunity for me to, um, just like one to share, like for me to say, okay, like Matt's the head of the home. He's the leader of this house. I'm going to submit to his leadership, and I'm going to um, pack the house and let's go. Let's move to Oklahoma. And I will say that the first couple years were rough and I was grumpy and sad because it's just something I didn't want to do. But God has blessed 
blessed us in a, an amazing way here in Oklahoma and the opportunity to teach Bible study to the kids that we do at Oklahoma State and just the relationships that we've built since we've been here. Matt was right. It was a, it was a great move for our family, but it was difficult. But I had to go to Scripture and say, okay, what do, I, do I believe that, that the way God designed marriage is correct? Do I have a high view of God? Do I believe that he's holy and I'm not? And in those moments when things get a little bit hard in a marriage, I think we can go to Scripture and say, look, this is my role. Matt's role in our home is to be, be like Jesus. That's tough, way tougher than submitting. And I'll tell you one thing. If a man in your home is behaving like Jesus and loving your wife and your kids the way that Christ loved the church, that submission is a whole lot easier um, as a woman. And so, men, I want to challenge you to take take the you know call to action like start loving your wife and your in your family like christ loved the church that means being a living sacrifice that means being gentle and kind that means fighting for her and in the kids when it's necessary and women i guarantee you that you're going to be a lot more willing to submit to that kind of man and so um those are those are practical examples in a marriage when we really take serious the call to view god um in, in the place that he deserves and elevate him to a high a high view, right, instead of a parallel view, um, which I think is a major temptation. I would say with kids, um, this is a dream of ours, is to raise kids that aren't self-focused and, uh, and God-focused. And so uh, I, I love the progress they're making in our home, and it is something that, that we really try to encourage in their lives. Some days are better than others. Some days are better than others. Yeah. yeah. Some days are better than others. Some moments are way better. Yeah. Than some yeah. It can be. It's a moment to moment. It's yeah. a moment to moment thing. But man, we love our kids, and and we do talk about this a lot. And I would say for parents, like, have these conversations with your with your kids um, consistently, and and just say, hey, did that action um, was that out of, was that selfish or was that um, honoring the Lord? You know, little things like that. Um, God created everything in the universe, including you and me. As the creator, he is the rightful ruler of the universe. That's key point number two. I believe that we have covered that. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, we love talking about creation. We love to travel, and we love um, experiencing God's goodness in, in all the different beautiful places that, that he has created. And it's just such a, such, so fun, isn't it? Yeah. I love it. All right, God is the great I am, independent and self-existent. The source of all things. Um, I just think that, that, again, we've talked about that too. And I think that that's a mindset that we have to meditate on and we have to remember in celebrations and in suffering. Um, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, uh, again, going back to just like the, <laughs> the reminder and when you read through scripture of, you know, who he is and where we sort of fallen into place um, I think that it's it's a it's been it's a good reminder to think about you know even the way he talks to Job and just the way that he he reminds us that, you know where he where he belongs and, where, and his ways are not our ways and so I think that that's a good reminder for us to remember yeah and he can be trusted like God can be trusted. He's independent. He's self-existent. He doesn't need us for anything. I think as a professional athlete, and if there's any professional athletes that are listening to this, um, how beautiful is it to be in relationships with someone that doesn't need anything from you? Like there feels like a purity there um, when, when, you're, when you find your people and they don't constantly need something from you. 
And um, don't feel guilty if you're listening to this and you've asked Matt and I for things. We love you. We love you. But I'm just saying, like, this thing, right? And I do think that that's real. And when we think about God, think about it. Like, he created you. He doesn't need you. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. He's independent, self-sufficient, self-existent, all of those things. He's worthy of of our praise. Um, And I think that that's something that we need to drill in the heads of our our kids as well, is that God knows it all, he owns it all, and he's in charge of it all. Um, The last thing on on the key point list here on page six is we should fear God, or in other words, have humble reverence for him. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 9, 10. I do believe that that's true. Um, The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and this fear is just this awe of God and just how majestic he is, how wonderful he is, and learning how to delight in the power and the glory of a holy God. I do think that that's the beginning of wisdom. And I think, like, um, Matt, in your career, I know, like, this is, I'm not comparing Tony LaRusso to God. I'm not at all. But I do think that there's a really interesting um, way to think about this. It's like when Matt was traded over to the Cardinals. Like, talk about Tony. Like, when Tony walks in the room, there was a bit of fear and awe. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you talk about, like, people that, you know, have done a lot, at least, you know, we talk just in a sports, like, if you talk about Bill Belichick, Tony LaRusso, there's, like, this respect and this this sort of appreciation of the things they've they've accomplished absolutely yeah that that makes you want to respect them one but two learn from them and uh and 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 settle into your place you know like i understand your you know who you are and and you know i'm a player you're the manager like there's a reverence to that so i I think that that is uh you know we're talking about god the reverence for god yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, we, now we're on a whole nother level. We've got dogs running for sure, people coming in, and so we're going to let you guys go. But I am so excited about this journey over the next couple weeks. And again, if you haven't got your discipleship handbook, it's at theincrease.com, and it's a discipleship handbook. We're in week one. Um, go, go along with us on this journey. We'll be so excited um, to have you. Yeah. That'd be great. Thank you so much. Good night, guys. All right, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Table 40. You can find our podcast everywhere podcasts are found and at thesportspectrum.com. And if you're looking for a great resource, check out the Sports Spectrum magazine and order your copy today. The magazine has wonderful stories on sports and faith, and it's the perfect gift for kids and a sports fan who loves Jesus. Subscribe today to sportspectrum.com. And thanks again for checking out our show, and we will see you next time here on Table 40.